Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Perfect. Good to be here. Good to see everyone out. Everybody ready for this cold weather coming? Yes. The snow. Anybody out doing angels yesterday? <laughs> All righty. So we've got a few announcements here to hit, and then we'll move right along with the service. So we're about a week and a half away from Thanksgiving. Who's ready for that? Me? Come on. What's wrong with you people? All right. Six Sundays away from Christmas. Everybody's like, I haven't shopped yet. Better start shopping. Unless you want to be like Tony, waiting for the last couple days. Christmas music on the radio already. And on the family channel, right? Uh, Hallmark. Hallmark, there we go. Christmas movies. There we go. All right. We've got Second Harvest this week on Wednesday from 5.30 to 7. Uh, Sign-up sheet's still on the board back there. Um, let's see. We, I think we're going to cancel for this evening. I know we, were, we had a lesson in business meeting. I think we're going to move it to next week. Does that sound okay to everybody? Just a lot of a lot of people missing this week, so we'll we'll move that out. I'll send out a one call today too, and we'll we'll do that. Um, then we've got the Lord's Supper service coming up on the fourth for the PM service, and then Brother Joe had mentioned in a meeting the other day that he's locked down a a, a, a bus for the 18th for a Christmas caroling. So I think we'll do it like we did before, where we'll have church, we'll go get lunch, come back here at like two, and then we'll go out and get some rounds. <coughs> Hopefully we'll be on the radio again, right guys? Yeah, WDM. There we go. We're going to be by that time. We are going to start our Christmas on our station. Yep. 2023 quickly approaching us. All right. Um, we also have a flyer for a girls' night out Christmas celebration. Roger, that excludes you. <laughs> Me and Roger have a love-hate relationship, don't we? <laughs> All right. Uh, it says, everyone is encouraged to bring a friend, the more the merrier. Enjoy an evening of fun, food, games, and prizes. Bring a side dish or dessert, sandwiches provided. The date is Friday, December the 2nd at 6 p.m. The place is Amanda Mills' home. I didn't approve that, by the way. 2713 Woodford Drive. We'll post this on the board. So it's, I figured it's better to have it at our house than to have them out at some pub, right? <laughs> All right, so Bev, are you going to pass these out, Bev, or yeah. stay back there? Okay. All right, any other announcements? Uh, that's quite a few. All right, we'll have y'all stand, and we'll open up the service with a song.
Roger, would you care to lead us in prayer and bless the offering this morning? Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this another opportunity you've blessed us with to be in the house. We thank you for all your blessings that you've given us, God. Bless all those that's not with us this morning. Bless the request that's been asked of you this morning. Grant those according to thy will. God, bless this service that we're about to go into. Bless the offering that's about to be lifted, that it can go to your work here on earth. These things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Page 329 in the Red Book. 329, we'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Sing it. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. absolutely exhausted so I'm absolutely looking forward to sitting right there and listening to what Tony has to bring forward anybody with a special song this morning I'd like to listen to that too alright well I'll turn the service over to him good morning everybody Hope you've got your Bibles open them up to the book of Revelation the 20th chapter we'll dive in there just in a minute So how many of you watched football yesterday? Most of you. How many of you saw a game where there was no 
flags thrown or no penalties called. And then at the end of the game, they got everybody around and then they talked about what everybody did wrong, penalties they called or anything like that. Anybody see any games like that? No. Or what about how many of you have, how many of you have raised kids or are raising kids? Most of you. And then how many of you are waiting until they're grown before you give them an assessment or a correction or anything as far as how well they've done? I don't know about you, but it's a constant. In fact, I'm still raising kids. Right, Lindsay? And it's the same kind of principle. Well, you'll see where I'm going with all this in a minute. Same kind of principle I use, and I've always used it for people who've worked for me and and I've told them, I said, you know, as, as, when they were getting ready, as they get ready to evaluate their people, I always tell them, nobody you're given a, a performance appraisal to should be surprised by anything you tell them. Whether they're doing really good or whether they're doing really bad should not come as a surprise to them. You should have been talking to them and telling them that all along the way. So where I'm going with that is, we're going to talk about judgment here. And we all, people get tied around and turned around in knots over judgment and a day of judgment. And I want to make sure we're thinking correctly about it because you can get yourself in a pretzel really quickly if you don't. And then if you're, you know, if you, some people, this is where sometimes you hear people with jokes and some people are, not, are really not joking. Some churches actually believe this. You get to the point where it's a day of judgment and, you know, St. Peter's got the keys, man, and he lets you in or not. And, you know, I, you know, sometimes you'll ask people, are you going to heaven? And they'll say, well, I hope to get there. And other people, you know, people who will, who will say, well, I'm saved. And it's kind of like that sometimes those people have the impression that they're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to tell them every bad thing they've ever done. But oh, by the way, you're saved, so come on in. That's never made sense to me. In fact, I can <laughs> give you some names of, of people who, who actually I've read over the years and heard over the years who've corrected me, but actually... Most of what I know and learn from the Bible about big principle things, I actually learned from my grandma. I remember asking Ma about that one time on the way to church on a Sunday morning, long time ago, going back to the old place. And she's like, Tony, does that make sense to you? I'm like, no. Anyway, so I want us to think right about judgment. Now, one of the things that will help us is our article of faith, number 18, which is actually... My all-time favorite. Well, they're all my favorites. I can't lie. They're, this is a really good one, though. Because it sums it up really, really, really good. So we're going to read that, and then we're going to talk a little bit more here. It says, the title of it is Of the World to Come. You can look this up later on your phone or if you've got a copy of them. It says, we believe that the end of this world is approaching. That at the last day, Christ will descend from heaven and raise the dead from the grave to final retribution. That a solemn separation will then take place. That the wicked will be adjudged to endless punishment and the righteous to endless joy. And that this judgment will fix forever the final state of men in heaven or hell on the principles of righteousness. So... A little bit of background, like I said, I'll try not to make this too long. 
Because there's a lot of different ways you could go with this. So in a, in a lot of beliefs, there's three, there's three different, when you talk about the end times, there's three different main camps of beliefs. There's premillennialist, there's postmillennialist, and there's amillennialist. Now, the, the pre and the post both, both believe in a literal thousand-year reign of, of Christ coming back and reigning on the earth. Uh, it's just whether it's before or after the resurrection, they, they kind of get it, the second resurrection, they kind of get that mixed up. A millennialist, it's act, that's actually a misnomer because A, when you put A in front of a word, it typically means you don't believe it, and that's not true. A millennialists actually believe we are living in the millennium right now. We are living, we are a nation of priests and kings who are living and ruling with Christ right now. That is the camp that I tend to fall into. In fact, earlier in the book of Revelation, where we're going to read here in a minute, it actually says we're a nation of priests and kings unto, unto, the, unto God. And technically, we really, we really, really are. So there's a lot of, you know, when you look back at, when you, just some names for you. So Calvin and Luther were both a millennialist. Adam Clark, who was one of probably my all-time favorite commentator, a millennialist from back in the 1700s. A.W. Tozer, who I read a lot, is also. But I'll, actually, it also falls in line with what our church has believed for years and what, what led to this article of faith that I actually read to you, to you here in a second. You'll see again how this all ties together uh, with judgment here in a second. So there's... There's judgment and there's knowing, you know, it, it never made sense to me, like I said, that it never made sense to me that I live my Christian life and then, you know, and I know I'm saved. Many of you know that you're saved. And then that I go through this life and then I stand before God and he gives, he's going to say, Tony, you were really bad here. Tony, you were really good here. Tony, you were middle of the road here. Tony, you stunk over here. Tony, you were great over here. But, oh, by the way, come in. And then a lot of people equate that to, we'll talk about, you can't talk about judgment, we're talking about rewards. A lot of people equate that to rewards also. Well, you know, so-and-so is going to get more rewards in heaven. Well, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but how can I be more rewarded than getting to heaven? How can I be more rewarded when the Bible tells me as a child of God that I am a joint heir with Christ? I don't think heaven's going to be any more beautiful or any more glorious or any more rewarding for anybody else than it is for anybody who is a child of God. And you know why that is? Because it's not of any good that we have done that gets us there. It's because of what Christ did for us. Now, the other extreme people go to is that, well, okay, so now that I'm saved and now that I've got the great reward, I don't really have anything to worry about. And I can just do whatever I want the rest of my life. And brothers and sisters, to people who say those types of things, I say, first of all, you may not even really be saved. And second of all, if you think you can do that, you are the, that is the furthest thing from the truth that you could ever think as well. And you also, <coughs> there's a word there too that I want to point out before we get into scripture here. There's a word there in that article of faith, a judged, that is not used very much anymore. You know, we hear the word judgment, the word a judge. Notice it says the wicked, it says a solemn separation will then take place and the wicked will be a judged to endless punishment and the righteous to endless joy. 
Now, let's think about a courtroom for a session for a second. Let's say this was the jury over here and Mike was on trial. Now, we go through a whole proceeding and people present their evidence and I bring Debbie in as the chief witness and she tells us all the rotten things and how rotten Mike really is. And we say he's guilty. Now, the jury would hear all that. They come up with a decision and the judge says, Brother Bob, as the chairman of the jury, would you read the verdict? He stands up, he reads guilty. Now, does Mike get his sentencing right then? No, usually they come back weeks later and then the judge, based on what the jury's verdict is, lays out a sentence. Mike, you have life in prison. Or Mike, you're getting 40 years or whatever. And Debbie says, give him life. I don't ever want him out. But the, he basically ends up, in, he ends up getting his sentences. The word a judged, when you put the a in front of the judge, it means a judicial decision. It means a sentencing, you see. So that word a judged, as it's used here, is referring to a sentencing. They are sentenced to eternal endless punishment and the righteous to endless joy. Now that's important that we got that background. Now let's dive into some scripture here. So Revelation 20, let's go over to verse 11 and we'll read down through the end of the chapter if you've got your Bible. Revelation 20 starting at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I want you to notice there, sharp in the 12th verse, there's a, there's a very important contrast that's easy to miss if you don't pay attention to it. Notice it says, and the books were opened, and another book was opened. So first of all, brothers and sisters, let's talk about the books. It says the books were open. What are those books? From the very, very moment that you first came into existence, brothers and sisters. Now, the, you know, I don't want to have to go back and prove everything because we'll be here till three o'clock or so. But so we're not doing that. But hopefully everybody can agree with me that we were all born in sin. We were born with a sinful nature. You know, people argue about that and say, well, how am I born with a sinful nature? Because you are descended from Adam and that you were born with that sinful nature. That's like, how can you be, you know, how can I, why am I born with brown hair? Well, if your parents had that kind of hair, you might be born with that. In other words, brothers and sisters, you are born with a sinful nature. There's no way around that. And in those books, brothers and sisters, from the very first moment you come into existence, in those books... Every single thing you do is recorded. Every single deed, every single thought, everything you do is recorded in those books. Now, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but the very thought, just think of that right now. Think of that right now. If this was the book, if this was the book of, I'll keep picking on Mike, if this was the book of Mike Fultz, and I open up the book of Mike Fultz, and I start going through the book of Mike Fultz. Mike would probably head out that door as quickly as he could. 
Because he did not, he would not want, none of us would want that. Because you know what, brothers and sisters? We can put on clean clothes and we can smile and we can act all great and all that and others. But you know what that book shows every single person, every single one of us, every single person in the world? It shows we are rotten. It shows we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It shows that we have not met the mark, you see. It shows we have all went our own way. Now, there's a point, brothers and sisters. There's a point, and here's why it's important for you to pay attention. That point could be for you today. There's a point in your life where the Holy Spirit takes the gospel and starts to bring it into your heart. And it starts to let you know that, hey, I am guilty. If the book of my life were opened up, I have sinned and come short. And I am worthy of death and hell. And brothers and sisters, that's what we refer to another big term for you know we talk about the age of accountability. Now up to a certain point, you are not accountable for what's written in that book. Now what the people say, well what is the age of accountability? There is no age. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on your door and brings the knowledge of your condition and the remedy for that condition that a Savior came and died on the cross for you and rose again for your justification. Now, brothers and sisters, you are accountable, you see. Now, judgment has come to you. You see, judgment has come to you, brothers and sisters, and it has knocked on your door, and it has opened up the book in front of you, and it's let you, it lets you know your condition, that you are a sinner. And that the only way, brothers and sisters, that you can escape that is to go to Christ. I'm so thankful. You've heard me talking before. It was you, Brother Tip Coleman was preaching on the one Sunday morning. And he stood there and he talked about how we were on this side. How it was sin and death and hell. And I saw myself on that side. But he said, over here, a blessed Savior came and died. And that is the hope for you. And brothers and sisters, I didn't even go up right at the front that morning. I held on to the seat. But later that Sunday morning, in the top of an old dirty garage, judgment was coming on Tony Everidge. And I fell on my knees and said, said, Lord, save me. And brothers and sisters, all of a sudden, my name went into another book, which is the book of life. You see, now that's the other book it talks about. Notice what it says there. The books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. You see, brothers and sisters, here's what happened. When I asked Jesus Christ to save my soul, that old book of Tony Everidge was wadded up and thrown away. My name was written in the, in the Lamb's Book of Life. And brothers and sisters, I became a fit subject for the kingdom of God. Not because of anything that I've ever done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. You see. Now, and that fixed, brothers and sisters, that fixed my eternal state. I was telling Missy, <coughs> we were driving somewhere the other night. I said, Missy, you remember, because I've been thinking about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks while I was traveling. I said, you remember that song you guys used to sing as a quartet? When he sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. Now, I can, actually, I remembered all the words she did. <coughs> but anyway, even though she knew the piano. 
Looking down through the ages, God beheld the dying soul, sin had brought separation, never more can man behold. There must come a lamb, one alone whose blood redeems, bringing gifts to the father of our souls, our wadi plain. And then you all know the chorus, right? When he sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. He sees me in garments as white as the snow. For the Lamb of God is worthy, and He washed me. This I know. Brothers and sisters, if you are here this morning, and Jesus Christ has saved your soul, you ought to be rejoicing and happy, because when God the Father looks down, He sees you through the blood of the Lamb. He doesn't see us in that book that's been recorded, but He sees us as a worthy, fit subject for the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful thing. Now, we'll get back to that just in a minute. So you're saved. The book, the book of Mike is closed. The book of Tony's closed. Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven's your home. I love how Bobby's mentioned over the last few weeks, oh, that's done. That's, that's, we're done, right? No, that's just the beginning. Because now there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that happens. Some people will see, you know, I've had people tell me before, so, so you think you got saved back when you were 10 years old, so you're always saved? Like, Absolutely. Does that mean you can, well, then you just go do whatever you want, right? You'll go to heaven. I'm like, well, first of all, I said, technically, yes. I said, but there's two things you're missing there. Number one, I don't want to go do whatever I can want to do because there's a different want to in me And the second thing is, I've got a heavenly father who watches over me, who disciplines me, chastens me, and corrects me because I am his. And brothers and sisters, that's another point I want to footstop here real quickly this morning. If you are not being disciplined and chastened, if God is not speaking to you and letting you know that when you make a bad decision it is wrong, then you better get on your knees and make sure you've really got a heavenly father. Because the God who saved me, brothers and sisters, He didn't just leave me alone after from the time I was 10 years old and is waiting to pick me up when I go to heaven. He corrects me all the way through. And I don't have to guess when I've sinned or done wrong. He lets me know it. Usually even before I make the decision to do it. You see. So it's, it's basically... Now we also have other articles of faith. I don't have time to read them all to you. About the process we go through when we are saved. Sanctification, what's referred to. The process of Christ working in us to make us a fit subject for the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you were looking at it from a heavenly perspective, it'd be real easy to look down and say, look at that Tony Everest. There's no way he's worthy of coming to heaven. Jesus said, I'm still working on it. I'm not done with it. I saved his soul, but I'm still working on it. He's still got a lot of growing to do. He's still got a lot of Christian maturity to do. You see. Now, you heard me preach about a month or two ago, the last time I was up here, about Christ being Lord. Is he really Lord of your life? Are you submitting to him? Are you obeying him? Or are you doing what you want to do and going your own way, you see? Now that gets into the that gets into the rewards and discipline piece. Now, you know, there's a lot of parables 
that talk about, and you know, the Bible talks about laying up your treasures in heaven. You know, there's, there's all kind of, I don't have time to break all that down for you right now. But heaven is the great reward. Christ himself actually is a great reward. I'll hit on that in a little bit in a minute. But brothers and sisters, what I've always believed, what Maul told me, told me as we were driving on Sunday morning, amazing how smart Maul was, and she couldn't have even told you who Adam Clark or A.W. Tozer was. But she knew some stuff. She said, Tony, I believe, and I've always been taught, that as you're a child of God and you go through this life, you get your blessings and your discipline here. Boy, she's right. Because God, if you are His brothers and sisters, He will not leave you alone. I remember once I was, I remember once I being being saved, how great that felt. Being, being able to know I was a child of God. Yeah, all of us could say, oh boy, I wish I'd have lived it the whole time. All of us, we've all, we've all sinned since we've been saved. But I also remember, I also remember seeing that little song, he's still working on me. Make me what I ought to be. And brothers and sisters, it's, it's the same way I think about my college basketball coach. How he used to say, Average, I'm not letting up on you. I'm going to be calling you. I'm going to be checking in on you. I'm going to make sure you're training and doing the things you ought to do. I'm going to make you a good basketball player. He said, and, he said, and that's not the end of it. He said, I'm even going to follow you after you're done playing basketball. Many of you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Larry Hunter. Man, there was times I hated that guy. But he made me a better player. And not only that, even when I left there, he would still call me. How are you doing, Tony? How's school going? How's basketball going? Every once in a while, I'd get an email or a call from him, even when he was down in Western Carolina. And finally, not too long before he died, after he got, I can't remember, it was a pretty high number win, well up there for active coaches. And I sent him a note. I said, congrats, coach. I said, you, you deserve that. I said, thank you for everything you've done for me. I remember he'd, see, he'd say, I remember one time he told me, he said, Tony, he said, you'll never be in the, kind of, in the kind of shape you're in right now. I remember I saw him a few years ago when they were playing around here and I went to, well, went to watch one of the games. He's like, yeah, Reggie, you you're still in shape. You're like, you can still play. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I sent him a note congratulating him and I thanked him for pushing me pushing me and I said you know I said coach if I could go back I said I had different reasons for leaving I said but if I could go back I would stay he sent me a really nice note back and called it's an email I treasure he said he said I loved you I care about you he said you were always pretty good he said you just needed pushed a little bit and you needed pointed and directed a little bit but he said I'm so proud of you for the man you've become and the father you are and the job you have. Brothers and sisters, 
He worked on me all through my life. Now that was a, that was from a coaching standpoint. If he can do that from a coaching standpoint, what do you think our heavenly Father does, brothers and sisters? Yes, it was great having Larry Hunter to look over me, and I even told Missy every once in a while. I'd love to be able to hear him say, "Atta boy, average, pin your ears back and play." But you know, brothers and sisters, what I've still got, I have still got a God and a heavenly Father who, since I was ten years old, has been there watching me, coaching me. Helping me, correcting me, disciplining me, rewarding me all along the way. And one of these days, he's going to say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. And I'm going to look and say, it wasn't because of what I did. It's because of your leading and guiding, Lord. You see, that's what sanctification is. But here's another foot stomper while I got a minute too. Bible's full of, like I said, I could, I could have taught and preached on this for months. The Bible's full, brothers and sisters, of talking about why we don't judge another. Here's what we try to do. You know, it'd be real easy. So Bobby's a child of God, and I could, Bobby's having a hard time or some sickness, and I could look and say, wonder what God's punishing him for. You and I do not know that. That could be that could be a punishment. It could be for the glory of God. It could just be for a sickness. You don't know. I remember I've told you this story before about my mom. I remember her saying, you know, you all know most of what she went through. I remember her telling me one time not too long before she before she died, she said, Tony, a couple people has even asked me, why do you think God's punishing you so much and making you suffer like this? And she said, I've told a couple people who said that to me, nothing could be further from the truth. She said, this isn't a punishment. She said, it's actually showed me for the first time in my life what it really means to depend and walk with God. So you see, brothers and sisters, there are circumstances. God gets glory out of things that we don't know how. Somebody could have asked Joseph when he was down in the prison. Joseph, what did you, you, you do wrong? Why is God punishing you? But he didn't. He kept, on go- he kept on going for God. So the point is, brothers and sisters, you and I cannot judge somebody else. We, can, we said, well, God must be really punishing Mike. God's really rewarding Deanna. God's really doing bad things to them. They must be horrible. You don't know that. But you know what you do know if you're a child of God? You know when God is speaking to you. And you know what He's telling you to do. You know when He's correcting you. You know what He's calling you to do. And that's what you need to follow. That's why I, tell, I used to tell every kid that got saved, anybody that would tell that I talk to now, I'd say that little voice you heard in your heart when you asked Jesus Christ to save your soul, that was God. And whenever you hear that, whenever you feel that, always obey it. Because if you don't, it's going to lead to problems. And it's going to lead to trouble, you see. All I can tell you, brothers and sisters, talk about rewards in life. Following Christ can be, it's, a, it's life abundant. Doesn't mean you'll be the richest person in the world. Doesn't mean everything you touch will turn to gold. But Christ Himself, brothers and sisters, is your reward. Christ Himself is your reward. Remember what He said to Abraham? He said, I, back in the book of Genesis, He said, He appeared to Abraham and said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Brothers and sisters, having Christ with me here, how can anything be better? 
Having been a joint heir with Christ in heaven, how could anything be better? Now here's what I do want to tell you though. If you are saved and you are not following Christ, it can be miserable. Think about, think about Lot. How many of you think Lot went to heaven? Yeah. Well, if you, if you don't believe me, go back to 2 Peter, the second chapter. Talks about him. He delivered Lot, vexed with, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For, the right, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. So it refers to Lot as a righteous man. Now, how happy do you think Lot was? Do you remember Lot's life? Just real quick on Lot's life. Do you remember he first, him and Abraham separated. He went down to the cities of the plain. Do you remember what he did first? He pitched his tent outside of Sodom. Now, brothers and sisters, that's what happens. If we start putting our mind and our hearts on the things of the world more than following God, we start looking the wrong direction. That's what Lot did first. We, lead, we read about Lot a little bit later and we find that he's sitting in the gates of Sodom. Pretty soon, he's living in Sodom. Pretty soon, brothers and sisters, when God's ready to destroy that city, he comes, if you remember, sends the angels there and they come and tell Lot to get out of there. Lot believes him and he goes and tries to tell his, his daughters and his sons-in-laws to get out of there. They laugh at him. And even as he's going out, his wife turns back. She turns into a pillar of salt. So I think it was Lot and a couple of his daughters is all that got delivered out of there in the first place. And then it got worse for Lot from Lot from there. He was miserable, brothers and sisters. Now, there's scripture back in, I don't have time to go to it, back in 1 Corinthians. I got two great sermons that I like to preach. I call them my three little pig sermon and my uh, Lion King sermon. The three little pig sermon is the one where it talks about if we build our works on a solid foundation with wood, stubble, hay, or precious stones or whatever, and how they'll be tried by fire. That's my three little pig sermon. What that means is, whatever you, however you build, you're building your house, when the big bad wolf comes and huffs and puffs on it, if it's wood, wood and hay, it's going to go down. But if you're built on solid rocks and on a solid foundation, it'll stand. Lot, brothers and sisters... He had a solid foundation, but he built on wood, hubble, stubble, and hay. And when the big bad wolf came, it all went crumbling down. And he lost everything. In fact, in Corinthians, it says, you'll be saved, though as by fire. That's exactly, Lot's the perfect, perfect picture of that. He's the type and shadow of that. His life was miserable. He lost everything, brothers and sisters. He lost his witness. He lost his family. He lost his joy. Think about what a blessing he could have been. Think about what kind of a joy he could have had. But he suffered here. Brothers and sisters, if you don't want to suffer through life, if you don't want to be miserable, then follow Christ. Whatever joy, whatever pleasure, whatever gain you can get here as a child of God, brothers and sisters, if you think you're going to get pleasure from the world, it will not satisfy you. The only thing that can satisfy this heart is to commune and follow and be with Christ. You see, that's the only thing. Lot was a, Lot was a perfect one. So let's go back to the scripture. So notice it says another book was opened there in the 12th verse. Which is the book of life. And the dead. Now the dead. Who are the dead? Now we're not talking about the grateful dead. One of my all time favorite musical groups. When the Bible's talking about the dead. 
It's talking about those who don't know Christ. It's not talking about people who have died. Here's why I say that, brothers and sisters. What did, remember what, when Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb, remember when he talked to Martha on the way? He said, he that believeth in me shall never die. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Brothers and sisters, when I was 10 years old and I got saved, I got the gift of eternal life. And brothers and sisters, I will never die. Yes, this body's going to go back to the dust it came from. But brothers and sisters, this soul was given eternal life. And one day, I'll have a new body to go along with it too. So the dead it's talking about are those who died in their sins. Now, let's go. Gosh, I wish I had more time. Let's go back a little bit. Remember what happens when you die. If you are saved, when you die, where do you go? You go to the paradise of God. It's heaven, but it's, it's, a, it's not the final, final state. It's the paradise of God. What Jesus said to the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, if you are lost and not saved when you die, where do you go? You go to hell. You go to hell. Your soul goes to hell. Those both bodies go back into the ground, but that soul goes to hell. That soul starts with eternal death right then. That soul with God in paradise is eternal life. It's just continued eternal life. Now what we're talking about, brothers and sisters, is all of the dead standing before God. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Every one of those people judged out of their book. All the deeds they had done. And you know what, brothers and sisters? There's nobody who ever lived who had a book that made them worthy of getting into the kingdom of God. Every one of them shows that we are guilty and have come short. People say, well, well, what about so-and-so who was such a good person? I remember reading about them in history. Surely their book had enough good stuff to get them in. No. Nobody's book has enough good stuff to get them in. If it, that were true, Jesus Christ would not have had to come. We would have just had to live to that standard. If brothers and sisters, you are somehow thinking that your good deeds will get you there, it won't happen. So they were judged out of those books. It says, now here, brothers and sisters, listen to this. 14th verse. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. That second death is eternal death. Just as brothers and sisters, those people who were the dead who were standing there that were judged out of those books. They had been in hell. Their soul had been in hell. Now their body and soul is cast into the lake of fire and it will be burned for eternity in eternal death. That's why this is important. Who wants that on somebody? I cannot wish that on anybody. Eternal death in a lake of fire. It's horrible. That's why every one of us, John used the word influence in Sunday school this morning. That's why every one of us in every way we could should try to influence people by the way we live. That doesn't mean beating them over the head with a Bible. It just means, a, means being a godly person wherever God puts you. Having the right attitude and being a, being a joyful person and being a witness. Now those of us, those of us who are saved... First of all, our name's in the book of life. 
There's no judgment. People talk about this. You know, a lot of a lot of theologians nowadays, and again, there's people smarter than me, so I try not to be. But they talk about this bema seat of Christ, and the judgment seat of Christ is different than this, and this and that and the other. It doesn't make any sense for Christ to beat you up then, and it doesn't. It makes even less sense to say, "Well, because you did so bad, Bobby or Tony, your mansion's way over there, and it's that small." Bobby's yours is way over here and it's a lot bigger. Brothers and sisters, nobody's joy in heaven is going to be any greater or any less than anybody else's. It ain't going to make any difference. I'll tell you one more little quick story. I think I told you before, but this kind of illustrates it, at least in my mind a little bit too. This is a Missy story, so it's a good one. When we got married... She put so much thought and planning into our wedding. So much thought and planning. And I mean, it was, it, like I said, it was an awesome wedding. Some of you were there. But anyway, I remember on the day of the wedding, I remember what her bridesmaid, who's a kind of a raving lunatic and nervous Nelly anyway. Oh, the flowers are wrong and this didn't work out and Missy's going to be upset. And I thought, oh, great. This is going to be a wonderful, fun day. She's not going to be happy. But here's what I remember, and I've told you this before in different scenarios. From the moment I walked out, there in the chapel of Wittenberg, and the moment I saw her coming in, our eyes were on each other. We were the reward. It didn't matter about the people there. It didn't matter about the flowers. It didn't matter about anything else. It didn't matter what was said. We, that was all that mattered, brothers and sisters. That was my reward. That was her reward. Brothers and sisters, and you talk about rewards or judgment. I know one of these days when Jesus, when I die, and when I, brothers and sisters, he's going to say, enter in now, good and faithful servant. It's not because of anything that I've ever done. But brothers and sisters, when I walk in, I'm going to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nobody's going to be more joyous in heaven than I am. And brothers and sisters, but it's not because I preach. It's not because I lived a good life. It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and made a way to give me eternal life. And just like Abraham, he's my shield. He's my exceeding great reward. I don't have to wait to heaven. We get a little taste of it now, brothers and sisters. Yes, life is tough. Yes, there's bad times. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's pain. But God's even with you in that too. And brothers and sisters, one of these days it won't matter. I'll be there with him forevermore. So as you think about judgment, brothers and sisters, that judgment begins the very first time God knocks on your door and lets you know that in your book you are guilty and that you need to be saved. And if you don't, be, and if you don't accept that call, you're in danger of death and hell and eternal, fire and eternal brimstone right then. You might not get another chance. And folks, if you are saved and you're just willy-washing and willy-nilly in your way through life, focus yourself, discipline yourself to follow Christ. Let Him be Lord of your life. Have life and have it more abundantly. And I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, it won't matter if everything goes perfect for you or if you end up with suffering and sickness and all kinds of woes, but you will have Christ with you in either case. And that is a great reward for the Bible.
absolutely wonderful message on judgment. You know, we talked in Sunday school this morning, kind of went right along with it, you know, kind of why, why bad things happen to, to people, and it goes right along with that. And, you know, just, just absolutely enjoyed that. But I want to ask for a verse of a song this morning. If you're here, and, and that first call is calling to you, or maybe it's the fifth one, obey it this morning. Or, or if you went your own direction and sin, ask for forgiveness. Repent. It's, a, it's important. It's absolutely important. As, as we stand and have one verse of the song. <laughs> and